Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And my brother is back. He is back. He's the author, latest book, Victory Stand. Of course, you can't forget Crown, an ode to the fresh cut. That is the one that mm. set the world on fire. Let me welcome the one and only Derek Barnes, best-selling Man, author back, extraordinaire. Back, hey, back yes. on the hottest show in the galaxy, baby. I- how you doing, Karen? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I was telling you, you you called me Karen Wonder, and I was like, I'll I'll receive that because I got on my glasses because yeah. my pupils have been dilated. <laughs> and I said I had to, you know, this is the season for me to go. You know, school just let out, so I'm going. To, you know, I got to get all my checkups. So just the eye, got to go to the dentist, get my teeth yeah. cleaned, got to go get my, you know, got to go to gynecologists, got to go, you know, get everything checked. All the things got to be checked, right? As we go into the new yeah. year. We should do, you know, this regular thing. And you were telling me uh, off mic that you, you know, you have to really be vigilant. Yeah, I've been a type one diabetic for going on 38 years now. So I was diagnosed when I was 10. And uh, it it just really, it, it really helped to kind of form and shape my life in regards to how much, how much I focus on food, uh, diet, exercise, uh, rest, um, what goes in and out of my body, not just, you know, food, but what goes in and out of my mind and everything. It, it, it really taught me, you know, discipline, you know, from an early age, but uh, I make sure that I eat right. You know, my wife's been a vegan for 10 years. I'm about, I'm almost a second uh, close to crossing over that bridge as well. And just making sure I take care of my body so I can be around for my family. Yeah, I I was I'm yeah. not that, you know, a type one uh, diagnosis is a blessing at all because you, you know, it's not like you ate yourself into diabetes. This is something that, yeah. you know, came into you as a child, but that it yeah. does force you to focus because I feel like a lot of us are my I'm call, talking to myself. We'll sit and just mindlessly eat. We mindlessly, yeah. you know, we do things for comfort, especially black folk, because we, we, we're always trying to. I guess, cover up the trauma that many of us are walking around with instead of getting therapy. We're going to eat, drink, smoke, whatever, screw, you know, we're going to do those things, not get help. But yeah, Yeah. but you know, for you, a wrong, a wrong meal can send you into a situation that's a health crisis. So, you know, I was looking at you, you're very fit to, you know, look at y'all. He's got nice, his pecs are are very tight and, you know, you see that, that? yeah, I can see your pecs from here, bro. You (laughs) you look good. You look good. (laughs) But it says, it says somebody that, you know, the work that you put in shows because for you not being perfect or pristine in your diet can mean, you know, something bad. So. Yeah. Well, I I gotta, I gotta keep up with my wife. She, uh, she's a physician, but she also is a, a health nut and she's a West African dancer. Like I said, I got four boys, the mighty Barnes brothers. And you know, if I don't, if I don't stay in shape, they start looking at me funny. Like they can take me. So (laughs) self-preservation, you know, know, um, I just had a two hour, um, uh, church session. I feel like, felt like church with Kevin Powell. And we're talking about black love and relationships. Oh my God. so you you talking about your wife can we spend i know you ain't come on to talk about none of this but you know if you want to carry on the show you're going to talk about all of this uh Derek barnes tell me what it was about your wife that made you lean in and say this this is the one man we um we've been married going on 23 years now in in may and i met her 
on the campus of Jackson State University. Um, went down there really, you know, because my family's from Clarksdale, Clarksdale, Mississippi. So I said, I'm going to go out here and meet me a thick country girl, you know, and I met a, I met a girl from Compton. You know, but, uh, <laughs> well, that's country though. That's that's country. Yeah, Great migration, yeah, Mississippi yeah. to to Compton. That that is a <laughs> definite path for sure. Yeah, yeah. But she just stood out. You know what I mean? Like everyone, everyone on that campus was very, you know, very much into the Greek culture, and she really stood out. She had when I first saw her, she had this huge afro. She had this metal purse that looked like a uh, lunch pail. You know, and she was just by herself and and she just really spoke to me and she had a banging body too you know this beautiful dark sister and uh we talked on the phone like when folks talked on the phone the first time and we talked on the phone for like three or four hours man folks don't talk on the phone like that wait pause for a second mr barnes Derek barnes because i need y'all to hear this i was just saying some of us don't have nothing to talk about yeah. You t- you talked to your wife for three hours, which means both of y'all, yeah. both of y'all had to have something to talk about. Yeah, because, you know, you meet somebody that piques your interest. You want to know every single thing about them. Obviously, you can't learn everything about them when you first meet them, but you're so excited and so curious. You know, you can you can stay on that phone seemingly and talk, you know, forever. So that's how I started with that long phone conversation. And uh, she ain't been able to get rid of me since, man. So. Being raised in Mississippi, that's your baby, and then still your baby, and that yeah, mm, yeah, this is this. (laughs) These are goals. Derek Barnes is here, um, author, best-selling author, dope, best-selling author of a bunch of books, including The King of Kindergarten as well. Um, You being attracted to a woman because we were talking. Kevin was saying he grew up in anti-blackness and all the women that he wanted to be with were light skin and his uh, aspiration was a white woman until he found out about himself and no disrespect yeah. to anybody that wants, well, you love who you love. I do believe that. But if that is your type, if it's, you're only going after a certain type, then there's a dysfunction there that we have to confront for you. It was not even a question. So what, what was it about mm-hmm. that Mississippi upbringing that made you love yourself enough to see yourself in a, in a woman who, um, bears the the um the phenotype of your wife i don't know I've, I've always been you know attracted to dark women i guess it was i guess the number of dark sisters in my neighborhood i'm i'm actually from kansas city missouri but we went home to uh, clarksdale and lexington you know every summer but uh and you know there's nothing like a natural black woman you know a woman in her natural state and my mother was that way my mother was very natural she wore um, uh, braids. Sometimes she wore those. Um, she wore hair in the natural, wore hair in the afro. But um, I don't know. I've, I've just always been attracted to dark women. It's it's the um, it's the way their skin shines when you put that cocoa butter on it. You know what I mean? The full <laughs> lips and the whole nine. Plus, I feel like you know. So there's a line in school days when um, you know the sister tells Lawrence Fishburne that she feels like he he feels like she makes him blacker like when they go out in public i feel that way like when i have her on my arm and we go out in public i feel blacker i feel like i want the rest of the world to see and i'm crazy about this woman you know what i mean this this is the phenotype of what a black couple and black family should look like so uh yeah she mm. definitely heightens my game man you know by a million Derek Barnes is here. I appreciate. Thank you. We've never had this conversation before, but um, no, we haven't. 
I I imagine it's not unusual either, right? But all we see is the dysfunction, right? So so the 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 trope or the the myth around black love or black, you know, it's why I I love what Ava DuVernay did was cherish the day seasons one and two, you know, like the complexities of, of how we relate to one another. You know, um, my parents married until the day my daddy closed his eyes, you know, and, you know, getting to watch the ups and downs of them growing up because they were in their twenties when they had me. So, you know, they were basically children, you know, trying to raise a child and watching them grow into maturity and, you know, and have conversations with them about their own maturity and hold them accountable was fun, you know, and interesting and traumatic and all of the things, but families, you know, to, to, we don't talk enough. So we don't talk enough. So all we see are the reflections on, on TV back at us. And then that reinforces, you know, dysfunction. And then we, we on, we're on a treadmill uh, cycle. Um, So I thank you. Thank you for, for sharing, being transparent. All right. Um, I'm encouraging our listeners to build libraries for their children and build libraries yes. for the children in their lives. You know, I was telling you off mic, my, my home had bookcases, you know, like, and the kitchen counter was a bookcase. So like all yeah. around, you have know, my mom's cookbooks. And then I think Asada Shakur was whatever he was reading was in the kitchen, you know? So yeah. like the <laughs> counter on my kitchen also served as a de facto bookshelf in addition to the bookcases we had in the living room um yeah. how do you, how do you how do you encourage people to to start libraries of course you start with crown you know crown should be in everybody's book bookshelf everybody's but like, every <laughs> every city that i go to i make sure my driver takes me to the hood i want to go to the blackest barber shops in the city and i give them copies of crown and uh uh, that's my boy's knocking at the door right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna knock on him out and get in there. Okay. But not proverbially, um, he's not gonna put his hands on him, y'all. He's not. Uh, yeah. Because I think my mom used to you. take me to the library, and my mom was just a country girl from Clarksdale. Um, barely graduated from high school. She worked like two jobs, but on Saturday mornings she took me to the library, and she recognized early that uh, I had an interest in writing and uh, you know literature and uh, words and. And she's probably still my number one fan, you know. So I I I I think it's important that we read, you know, children pay attention to what we do, not so much as what we say, you know. So it's 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 so important that we have our own, have our own library of books. But also I always encourage parents to give children the books that they may be interested in. There's no there's no reason to kind of force literature on them, but if they're interested in cars, dinosaurs, if they're interested in sports. Uh, you know, anime even, you know what I mean? Give them what they want to read. Those books can be bridge books to, uh, you know, short stories, poetry, uh, you know, middle grade novels and whatnot. So I, I, I just I just encourage parents to give children the books that they want to read, you know. And talking with Dr. Things Ray Carr, and, and talking to Dr. Ray Carr on one of his Saturdays, he said he cut his teeth on comic books to this day. He loves comic books. Yeah. And his father would say, you reading them funny books, but he would still give them the money to go get them every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's one of the most well-read people I know in my personal uh, existence, but it was comic books, you know, like yeah. we can't judge what it is. Our children love. We just need to give, feed them, feed them right. nourishing portions of that. Right. So that they can, to get, like you said, as a bridge, um, this latest book, the uh, Victory Stand, it uh, I'm, I'm chronicles. It up. The audience yeah, can't see it, but you can see it. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, is that John Carlos or is that 
Is that this is, is that? this is brother Tommy Smith. Tommy Dr. Smith. Tommy Smith. Yes. Okay. Yes. Dr. Tommy Smith. Yeah. So 1973, mm-hmm. 1973 Olympics. Was it the 1968 Summer oh, Olympics in Mexico City? Yeah. Why don't I know mm-hmm. that off the top of my head? Because I ain't looking it up just yet. Um, 1968 Olympics. They mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Smith came in first. John Carlos came in, came in third. Came mm-hmm. in third. He won mm-hmm. the bronze. Tommy Smith won the gold. They stood up on the podium yes. and they had on black gloves and they put up a black power fist in yes. protest. In protest. Yeah. And they yes. got excoriated. <laughs> they got canceled. The modern day version. Sure that was a version of being canceled. Why did you choose this moment, this victory stand moment uh, to chronicle in a children's book? Um, I was... I was I was asked if, if I had any interest in writing this brother's story. It was very fascinating by my literary agent, um, Regina Brooks. Shout out to Regina. Um, and it was right after I, I won countless awards for um, Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut. And I had made my mind up, really, you know, every Black author is just trying to figure out how you can get your foot in the door, per se, and just make it in this business. And I had made my mind up because Crown was the book that broke my career, but it was published by a small house outside of Chicago. So I had made my mind up that for the rest of my career, I'm writing books for and to black children, period. Uh, you know, books about resistance, books that affirm their their existence. You know what I mean? So this book just kind of fell right into my wheelhouse and I jumped right on it. Um, I went down to Stone Mountain, Georgia, and just kind of sat at the brother's feet. Uh, his lovely wife, Delois, they welcomed me in like a son. She made dinner for me. I went down there like three times and just took notes. And and uh, he's just, just a really cool, laid-back brother, thoughtful. Um, he was he was very forthcoming with, uh, you know, as, as much, you know, anything I would ask him for. And uh, we've become close friends. I've had a chance to travel across the country with him. And uh, again, just his story of resistance and, you know, overcoming, you know, that was actually the last race that he ever raced in his entire life. He was looking forward to going to the 1972 Olympics, but he was completely blackballed until like maybe the late 80s when a lot of liberal arts colleges started asking for he and, uh, you know, Brother Carlos to start coming in and doing lectures and whatnot but you know it was hard it was hard after that race as as i'm thinking about you know what it takes colin kaepernick takes a knee you know the world you know like history rhymes it keeps coming back and it rhymes right it doesn't repeat it rhymes so he did that lost his career and then you fast forward 40 years and it happens again what does it say about yeah. a, a country that can't accept reproof, that can't accept rebuke when something is wrong? Like, who thinks that police brutality and inequality is good for the for the world, for America, for people? And if somebody is protesting with a simple gesture of putting a fist in the air, why would that yeah. cause you to to banish them? Well, you know, we see it in these uh, book bans all over the country. You have governors in a lot of these states uh, saying that they don't want uh, black history taught in a lot of schools. I mean, that, this comes out of their mouths because they don't want white children to feel guilty. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Like, 
we, we, these things happen over and over again because the country refuses to face what has actually happened to black people in this country, you know? And um, I, I, I don't, I don't really give a damn about these book bands, man. I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to write the blackest books I could possibly <laughs> write. Shout out to my son Solo, who told me that when he was like 10, 11 years old. And, uh, and we have to keep telling the truth. We have to keep telling, t- telling the truth, making sure that all of the babies get this truth. I'm talking about black, white, especially the babies that are new to this country, because they also get a skewed view of America if they just get it from our educational system. So um, I have an obligation and other black artists have an obligation Amen. to continue to tell the truth and write these stories um, about our history. I I think, you know, and, and let's just give Denise Milner a shout out. One of my colleagues Deneen at the New York Milner. Daily News. Yes. Yes. Shout we used to Deneen. work together Love. back in the dizzy A's, back in the dizzy A's. Yeah. She was uh, at the Daily yeah. News. And then she went on uh, in publishing our lives kind of parallel there, too. Uh, she had her own publishing imprint, uh, her own publishing house. Me, too. Uh, yes. And she published your first book uh, because she's committed to the brown babies. She's committed That's to the right. brown babies, Denise Milner. Um for you, you, you talk about finding your way in a business that is actually, you know, they always will tell you uh, a different way to do things. So I'm I'm glad that you're, you know, sticking by your guns. It's tough. Yeah. I was saying, you know, it's tough to sit in what you believe and have your morals and your convictions and your values because it's, you're not going to be rewarded immediately. Takes a minute. Yeah. Takes a minute. Yeah. But you must sit in that. You know, because that's where the quickening happens. That's where you know the roots that's right. get, get take form. When did you know that Der- Derek Barnes was going to be a thing? Oh man, um, you know, Crown was Crown was my ninth book actually. But, wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> think yeah, about Crown that, y'all. Think about book. that. One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You kept going. Yeah, kept going. I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, shout out to Wade and Cheryl Hudson. They own the largest independent Black-owned publishing company, and they're based in uh, Jersey. And I would call Brother Wade. He's like a father figure to me. And he would always tell me. I mean, I struggled, Karen, from... So I started in 2004. Um, and my last book to come out before Crown was in 2010. So between 2010 2017, I ain't have nothing out. Well, I wrote every single day. This, I heard you on your last interview you got to write every single day. I'm staying up to like two, three o'clock in the morning working on books that nobody wanted. But Brother Wade would tell me it's only going to take one. It's only going to take one. You just got to keep writing. And, and and during that seven year span, that's when I also, again, realized I got to remember who I'm writing for. I'm writing for black children. There's still a dearth of, of, of books where our babies can see themselves, be just human beings. So during that seven year period, I, I, I figured it all out and uh, ain't no going back now. You know, ain't no going back. The world going to continue to hear from me. I'm going to write for as long as I can and, and just highlight the beauty and the brilliance of black children. Well, I'm going to keep bringing you on as long as you writing. And even <laughs> when you don't have a book on, out, um, uh, this book, Victory Stand, Raising My Fist for Justice, uh, which is an ode to Dr. Tommy Smith and the stand that he and John Carlos took in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City for us, for us. They, you know, they could have gone and take their taking their gold and bronze medals and, 
you know, made the speaking circuit, done the book tours, d- kept running. Yeah. Instead, yeah. they made it. They took a stand, and um, that's right. kids need to know. And, and the book is a graphic novel as well. I don't know if I said that, but I, no. I did it in graphic novel format. Um, you know, in the beginning, after I compiled all my notes, I was trying to think of what format to do this in. The fact that this brother was the once the fastest man on the planet. It just seemed like the graphic novel format would uh, fit his story best. So uh, it's been an honor to write it. We, we were a National Book Award finalists. Uh, went to that ceremony uh, last month. It was amazing. First time I had a tuxedo on in a long time. Brought that medal back home to the hood. So I, I, I'm, I'm very proud of this work. Shout out to the illustrator brother named Dawood Anya Wile from Philadelphia. Uh, I hope he's listening. He did an excellent job on the artwork in this oh, book. It's beautiful. But that's the thing, though. You know, you pick up a Derek Barnes book. For children to thumb through a book that is so well, all your books are well illustrated, by the way. You know, Crown, all all Thank of you. them, beautiful, and and they're yes. different. You know, so a kid can pick up and see child, not a kid. A kid is a goat. A child can pick it up and <laughs> and and feel and see themselves in many different forms, which I think is important too. Thank you, shout, shout out to Vanessa Newton who did my. King and Queen in Kindergarten, uh, Gordon James, who illustrated I Am Every Good Thing and Crown. And uh, Gordon, Gordon, Gordon always says is that uh, it's, it's very important, you know, the work that we do as Black children's book creators, because many times it's a child's introduction to fine art and, and to, you know, literature. So uh, I'll always keep that in mind and not really dumb down our work because children are much more sophisticated than we give them credit for. So uh, I always keep that in mind when I'm creating. Yeah. With, with long memories. So, mm-hmm. you know, they just figuring stuff out, but they remember all the things. So uh, I'm going to take a call, a call or two before we uh, end the show. Derek, please oh, stick around you. for it. Monique yeah. in, in Iowa is on the phone. She's been holding. Welcome to the Karen Hunter show. Hi, Monique. Hi, I got kind of sidetracked, but what I wanted to ask, I enjoyed the show today on history. Could you do a show on uh, blacks in the Bible, African people in the Bible? Mm, That's the whole Bible. No, no, why? Why would I? I know. That's the whole Bible. No, just just everybody in the Bible is in Africa, period. Yeah. Eden is Africa. Uh, Garden of Eden is Africa. Moses was in Africa. Abraham was in Africa. David was in Africa. Uh, they're all Africans. So, no, I'm not going to do a show on something that's redundant. That's like saying black excellence to me. Like, it's just it, I, I'm not I'm not doing redundancy because people are ignorant. Yeah. The whole Bible. Jesus was African. Everybody. Uh, how he get lost in, in Egypt for all of that time. Come back with the Egyptian philosophy. And, you know, they, where the parents go when they were looking for him. He was in Africa. Um, yeah. Every, everybody was in Africa. Everybody. All of them. So no, blacks in the Bible is everybody. Uh, but again, our concept of blacks and whites is 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 new, made up. It's it's a made up. This white black thing is so so uh, lower vibrational that we have to graduate from it. We have to graduate from it in every single thing that we do, and not give it any light. To do that would to, would be to say what that Jesus is ex. So we have to answer to something that's insane. We shouldn't have to respond to insanity. Mm-mm. That's right. Lisa in New York, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Really quickly, we got a minute. Hi, can you hear Hi. me? Hi, Karen. Yes. Hi, Lisa. 
I just want to say that you are doing, you have such a good show that it reminds me of my mother's show. She was on, she had her show on LIB, like in the 80s, for 20 years. And every time I listen to you, I said, you remind me of her. You're very intelligent. Who's your mother? Kate Thompson Payne, LIB Radio. Come on. Yes. Yep, and so when you when you opened your show, I was like, oh, I know my mother said the same thing. The best show on the planet. I was like, yep, that's Kate Thompson. Okay, okay man. I remember her. Mm, she's a legend. You know, Pat McKay. I mean, it's like LIB had a lot of legendary voices and black women in particular. Your mom was a legend, uh, is a legend. And again, I don't sit here as an original. You know, I sit here on the on the shoulders of people like your mom and you know, this is why it's important to know history. You know, this is nothing new that I'm doing. I, I grew up on Tony Brown's journal and, you know, all of it, you know, it's nothing new. Gil Noble on, you know, like it is, there's nothing new. We just have to remind people and I'm borrowing from all of them. And I'm not even embarrassed to say that. So thank you for, for sharing that, Lisa. And let me thank you, um, Derek, for um, just the work you do in the in the care and the love that you have for us. And uh, thank, thank you for you. coming through today. Thank you. I, I always, and, and I also want to say thank you for, you know, this is, this is an amazing space that you give the black authors and black illustrators. I can't think of another platform that we actually have a voice and can come on. So I thank you for all the light. Um, I, I heard my brother Jerry Kraft on here once. So, uh, uh, you know, shout out to Jerry. And uh, I, I just want to say thank you, Karen Hunter. I love you. Love you. Karen Wonder. I'm going to call you Karen Wonder. Every time <laughs> I love I it. You, All right. <laughs> I receive it. I receive it, Derek Barnes. And I love you, right. which is, you know, those of us to whom much is given, much is required. This is required of me to give you a platform. So let me say thank you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.